Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Read six verses together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. We're moving our way through this wonderful book written to the church at Thessalonica. It's still a city as we were traveling to Israel uh, earlier this year. We passed over, and it was very surreal to see that on the airplane map, and uh, it's a real place, and uh, God called uh, together a church there in that city through the ministry of Paul, Timotheus, and Silas. First Thessalonians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. You all there? Wherefore, we could, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you, to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily... Truly, it's, it's verified. When we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. We as meaning believers, even as it came to pass, and ye know, you watch us get run out of town. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. And then he gives a a charge that we'll look at next time therefore brethren we were comforted over you in all of our affliction and distress by your faith let's pray father thank you for this time to be together and we don't we don't thank you um, just because what we do we truly are grateful to be able to be together Thank you for allowing us to come and just to rejoice together. And what a beautiful name your your name is. And pray that you would speak to our hearts now. We submit this time to you. We again ask that you quiet our hearts, our souls, minds before you. And that your word would be preeminent in our hearts. I pray from the youngest to the oldest tonight that we would all allow you to work in our lives. And that you do something for, for eternity's sake. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So many weeks have gone by and the Apostle Paul has on his heart, knowing that he's left the Thessalonican believers, this new group of believers, 
He's left them so suddenly. It was only about three Sabbath days, three, three weekends that he was able to preach the gospel to them. Three weekends that he was able to share with them how to go about living the Christian life, how to grow in their, their Christian faith, how to identify with Jesus Christ publicly, how to live and act in a, in a pagan society just three weeks before he's run out of town. There was so much animosity towards the new believers in that city that when Paul was found gone, they went to Jason's house and they drug him out saying, hey, you're the one that, you're the one that entertained these guys. We'll put the persecution on you. And so there was a lot of animosity, hostility inside of that city towards the, the new believers in the new church. And there was a time where uh, uh, Silas and uh, Timotheus had stayed there and, and Paul had gone on. But, but uh, there was, as, as Paul had heard news from Timotheus, especially Timothy, he had realized that these folks were really facing a lot of persecution. So I just want us to realize that Paul is down in Athens and as he's busy about the work of the gospel there, you can read about it in the book of Acts. It correlates uh, Acts chapter 17 and 18 and, and so on. Uh, as he's there and ministering in Athens on his heart, it's this matter that the Thessalonian believers up there are suffering. They're struggling. They have, they have faced adversity for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. They might be um, facing some boycotts. They might be um, going without food for for following Jesus Christ, and this is on his heart. I do want us to understand that a minister of the gospel such as Paul would have multiple things on his mind at one time. Not that he can um, be, be a multitasker. Uh, it is said that men cannot multitask. How many of you ladies would agree with that? The rest of you are just playing it safe. But you do realize that a man like the Apostle Paul had multiple burdens on his heart at the same time. A pastor will have multiple burdens on his heart at the same time. And here he is in Athens, and he is burdened about the faith of these folks. Not that they would lose their faith. You, we don't lose our salvation. Aren't you grateful for that? But you and I can waver in our faith. We can waver in our standing. We can be saved and, and struggle to continue to believe that God can take us through. Now, we shouldn't, because if God has the power to save us, then he ought to have the power to do anything in our lives and lead us through anything he leads us to. Wouldn't you agree with that? But sometimes we, we struggle with that. We come up against some sort of affliction, some sort of ridicule, and we're like, I don't know. I don't know if God can get me through this. We won't say that out loud, but we struggle. We get despondent or whatever. So Paul is burdened about them. He doesn't want them to become disillusioned. Have you ever met a disillusioned Christian? Can you think of how sad it is to, to know God and be disillusioned like God has lost his power? He doesn't want that to happen with the Thessalonians. He, he doesn't want them to say, you know what? Uh, we're going to be believers, but we're not going to be real public about it. He wanted them to remain strong in their faith. So the whole passage here is it opens chapter number three or this segment of the letter. Remember, they would have read this letter all together. We, we study it in minutia so that we can get as much out of the word of God as we possibly can. But they would have read this all together. In this segment of the letter, he's just simply saying, I was concerned about you. Isn't it good to have someone to be concerned about you? And they had the Apostle Paul concerned about him all the way down in Athens. Show that map up there again. Do I have the, the distance on that? Yeah, some 200, 
from 250 miles away. That's like a, that's like a lifetime in that, in that day. It, that, that's, that is not a day's, a day's journey. That isn't a quick Facebook, uh, Facebook messenger you know, phone call. You know, I was talking with Brother Archie Prez early th- this year. Just rang him on Facebook Messenger. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Clear as a bell. Paul would, would have loved the technology, maybe, that we have today. Uh, look at all that he accomplished. But think about that. All those miles away, and it's on his heart. He can't call them up and say, how are you doing? You and I can, but he couldn't. And so this is on his heart, and he's concerned for their faith, and he's especially concerned to encourage their faith, to to help support their faith. And we'll see that as we go along. But notice first his concern for their faith. Notice that he is so bothered by this that he is going to make a selfless decision. I'm going to send Timothy on the way. Now, it seems that Silas is out of the picture on some other duty at this point because it says here in verse number 1, look at it with me, wherefore... We could no longer forbear. We thought it good to be left alone at, at Athens. And so he's saying, hey, I'm, I so value knowing about where you are in your faith. I, I, I'd rather be alone in the mission work. I'd rather be alone in this pagan city. I'd rather be without my sidekick, Timothy. Remember, he just joined in this, this second missionary journey. Timothy's a young man. He has all sorts of energy. I bet you um, Paul was uh, sending him to the coffee shop to get his coffee, and, and <laughs> not really. But you understand, he was, he was there and able to run some errands and help, uh, help out the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had some, some physical ailments. He had some struggles. I can imagine that Timothy was a big help to him. Can't you? And so understand that it would have been a sacrifice for the Apostle Paul to say, you know what, I'm going to send him up there. But the faith of the Thessalonians was of such a great concern to Paul He says, I'm going to send Timothy. I'm going to send him, and I'd rather be alone. He desperately desired to see how they were doing and encourage them. Look back up in chapter 2 and verse number 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Do you realize that when people come to faith in Jesus Christ, that Satan is always lurking around the corner? seen it time and time again someone comes to christ they make some wonderful decisions for their life and the job promotion they've been waiting on for years comes through the only thing with their job promotion it takes them away from church on sunday it takes them takes them and stretches out their time and puts a a a large load on their time so they're not able to fellowship you say is the job bad I, i i can't answer that but i can say that satan loves to distract people from their faith And he does that almost, I can almost guarantee there will be something in the very next week, some sort of distraction that will come up in their life. And it is needful for us to be concerned about the faith of others. And Paul was concerned about them. Satan begins to work overtime to bring affliction into their life. Many times people trust Christ and they finally have this hole in their heart that is filled with the Lord Christ and they feel a sense of, of a fulfillment, a sense of fullness by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Satan comes along and begins to throw on, pile on the overwhelm and pile on the affliction and go after them in that way. Oh, how needful it is for someone to be concerned about them. 
And so Paul was concerned and willing to be alone, willing to say, I will be without so that your faith can be encouraged. And we ought to have the same heart. He says, I could no longer forbear. I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't stop myself. I, I couldn't last any longer. I needed to know. He says that two times in verse number one and verse number five, when I could no longer forbear. I just have to know what's going on with you. Paul valued their care more than his comfort. Friends, in the ministry of which we are all involved, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, all of us are servants. We are all ministers. You are given a church and, and a pastor for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the, for the, work of the ministry. Let's say that all together. For the work of the ministry. What does it go on to say? For the edifying of the body of Christ. The body does not get edified as it ought to unless the church together is in the ministry. Now, you and I in the ministry, you and I will oftentimes have to make choices to sacrifice our comfort for the care of others. We just heard that in that prayer letter, didn't you? Now, is there times that we need to rest? I just told the workers ahead of time, the, the, the ministry workers, you, you do need rest. Only you can, only you can know where you are in, in your, your need of rest and in the fulfilling of that. You don't, I told them, you don't have gas gauges on your, your forehead. I'm running on empty. But friends, if you're running on empty, you gotta, you gotta take care of that. You gotta mind that. But we're all in the ministry. And there are times, many times, where we have to set aside our comfort in order to care for others. And if we're gonna be effective ministers for the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll want to make sure that we mind the Apostle Paul in this way. Ministry often requires sacrifice. And Paul was going to sacrifice. I'll be on my own for the sake of the Thessalonians. But notice in verse number two, who does he delegate? Well, Timothy. He says, Timothy, you're up. Silas is doing something. You're up. You're the one that's going to go there. Wait, I'm just a teenager. I don't have any experience. I've never done that before. I've never traveled that way before. Timothy, you're up. You're all I have. And I want us to realize Paul puts an amazing amount of trust inside of Timothy to do this, this task, to take on this delegated task, really to go concern himself with the discipleship, the grounding of these Thessalonian believers. It was an enormous weight that was put on Timothy's shoulders as a young man. And I want us to look at this in verse number two. Caring for another person's spiritual well-being is an enormous task. Let me just say this in, in passing. If you have the privilege here in any way of caring for another believer's spiritual well-being, whether that's teaching a class or being tasked with the responsibility of visiting someone, whatever the case may be, if you have some delegation of the care of another believer's well-being, their faith, that is an incredible responsibility. I've had people in the, in the past say, well, Pastor, you didn't trust me with anything. I, I look at I trusted you with a Sunday school class. I don't just give a Sunday school class to anyone. Why? That's an incredible responsibility. 
I have to know that your doctrine is right. I have to know that your manners are right. There's some important things there. And Paul looks at Timothy and says, you're up. You're going 250 miles away. And you're going to go there. And you're going to make sure that they're doing okay and bring back a report to me. Wow, that's a responsibility. Notice the qualifications that Timothy met here. It's listed. Timothy, our, what is it, church? Our brother. Our brother. Well, I like that qualification. He needed to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You realize it's important that the church membership and that, that us in ministry are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have a salvation story and we know it, and that others know it. Our brother. Our brother. It isn't something that we're, that we're, we're, uh, we're casual about. That it, is, it is clear that we have a testimony. That's a believer. And he says, our brother, Timothy, our brother, a believer in Jesus Christ. What's the second qualification there? A minister of God. Wait, just when ministry calls him to be the, the leader for a big task? No, Timothy had been serving all along the way. He picked, up, he picked him up over in Lystra after he heard from the brethren over there in the church and got a good report from the older brethren in the church and says, Paul, you've got to meet this Timothy guy that got saved the last time you were, um, you were running around, and you've got to take him. He's a good guy, and he's doing a great work. And so Timothy was known as a minister, a servant of God. But not just that. We're all to be servants of God. We've learned that. We're all to be serving, by love, serve one another. We're all to be serving the gospel and serving people's needs. We're all to have that mindset. But did you see the third one? A fellow laborer. I like that. Boy, that's someone that gets in the trench. That's someone that, that picks up the, the towel. That's someone that has a dirty towel. That is someone that's really getting in there. And the idea of this fellow laborer is a person who is a participant in the work. A participant in the work. Every church, every church needs participants in the work. Every church. It is not possible for the bus ministry, for Sunday school, for nursery to go on without participants in the work. You know, sometimes we don't always get to participate in exactly what we'd prefer to participate in. Sometimes we just have to go where the need is and say, God, I really need you to help on this one because this is outside of my comfort zone. How many of you agree with me on that? Servants are like Mary, be it unto me according to thy will. Sometimes God leads you to something that you're not used to doing to keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. Timothy hadn't run his own ministry before. He hadn't, he hadn't led or led out in that way. It was all on him. When Timothy showed up, I'm sure they're going to ask him, Timothy, bring us a message. Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll do my best. Paul taught me a few things. But the idea is he was going there and it was all on him. The responsibility was on him. And what a, solum, a solemn delegation that was on Timothy's shoulders in that, in that place. A fellow laborer, a participant in the work. Now, sometimes we look to be called on. But God is looking for those that are already faithful. And I want to encourage us about this matter. No matter if you have a title or a specific place in ministry, I want to just encourage you to be like a Timothy, a brother. I want you to stay tonight. Number two, a, a servant. Like Mary, 
like Joseph, like Jesus, I'm ready to serve. But a participant. Participants are always around. Participants are, are there. They're engaged. You don't, have to, you don't have to go run a search committee on them. They're there. They're engaged. Now, we have lives, and God's given us all responsibilities. I, I understand all of that. But let's be participants in the work of the Lord. Don't you agree with that? Let's be participants. Let's, let's lean into the work of the Lord. And I see that in Timothy. And thus he was qualified to go on this mission. Paul wasn't sending someone. He was like, ah, I, hope, I hope it works out. No, he was someone that had already proved himself in these ways. But Timothy also, according to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 20, Timothy was like-minded with the Apostle Paul. Now, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, confidence in an unfaithful man is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. It is important to be faithful. It is important to be dependable. It is important to be a person who has the mind of the one that is sending. Now, I want us to think about this. Paul told the Philippian believers about Timothy. I love this because, remember, let's have the map again, guys, if you, if you would, please. Philippi is just over there. This isn't very far away. So some... Let's do the math, 36, 32, 32, some, you know, some 90, some plus miles, around 100 miles away. Got it? I hope. Not very far away. Same, same time frame, same pagan society. Remember, he got put in jail there, got whooped, whooped really bad. Bloody, um, bloody um, back, Paul and Silas are in jail. Evidently, Timothy's out of the line, the limelight at that point. He, he wasn't in jail over there. But they're singing praises to God in earthquakes. Philippian jailer gets saved and brings him into his house, wipes their wounds. And they all, the, 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 the home, those that believed in Christ, got baptized, Acts chapter number 16. Really great stuff that happened there. But Paul says to the Philippian believers, he says, I have no man. Now think about that. I have no man. Do you think Paul was just using a you know, hyperbole, exaggeration? I have no man. I have no man like what? No man that does what? I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Did you hear that? This is a young man. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for for your state. You know, Timothy was a unique individual. I look forward to meeting Timothy someday around the throne praising the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a young man that got, got faith, had a pretty rough upbringing, a, a, a divided home, and did not let the unbelief of his father keep him. Timothy went on with Paul, his spiritual father in the faith, and he served God in a powerful way right away. He didn't wait till he, he, he got older. He went right away. And he says of Timothy, this young man is like-minded. Do you know what like-minded means? I think we can catch most of it, but I love this definition. Like soul. The similar soul. There was a weaving together of Paul's heart with Timothy. They thought the same. They, they, were, they were together in their character, their affections, 
and their mindset. It was together. They were weaved together. When, when Paul needed something, Timothy was halfway to already meeting the need. You know, working with somebody like that in construction. I, I, I learned this from my dad to, to think ahead of what is going to be needed and try to deliver before it's asked for. It's a it's a it's a trait that young men have to learn. Right. Uh, they have to they have to think with who they're they're working with. But I learned that in construction, especially I went far with a boss. If I could do that, I made myself very, very much um, wanted by the boss. If I could if I could do that, if I could think ahead, wh- what's he so he's not having to sit there and wait. The Bible tells us that that Timothy was like minded with the Apostle Paul. He was like souled. He thought the same. And the Bible says that 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 he naturally cared. He naturally cared. This was something God had gifted Timothy with the ability to care for other people. The ability to care. What a wonderful gift that Timothy had. And God was using this for the encouragement of the Thessalonian believers. But I want us to notice something else. Timothy was faithful. Paul says to Timothy later on in the book of 1 Timothy when he writes a specific letter to him. He says, Timothy, I want you to remember something. When you're leading that church there in Ephesus, I want you to remember this. Look out in the church, and I want you to find faithful men. And I want you to commit the same things I committed to you. I want you to commit to them. Entrust those truths to them so that they can teach others also. Do you remember this verse, 2 Timothy 2.2? 2? It's exactly the pattern that we want to install here at Grace Baptist Church or make a part of our culture here at Grace Baptist Church. I want folks that that can teach the word of God. I teach you. You teach someone else. So it's not pastor teaching this person and this person. It was really a blessing to me just this past week to see the Lord doing that in our discipleship ministry, to see see generations start to stack up in discipleship ministry. We want to see the Lord do that much more over 2024. Some are being discipled right now. Who are you going to disciple this next year? Who are you going to give time to this next year? Someone is waiting for you to take what you've been given and give to somebody else. You see, this is all that Paul's done with Timothy. He invested in Timothy, and now Timothy can extend his range, go up to Thessalonica, and care for their their faith and help their faith along. What a powerful thing. Timothy was faithful. He was faithful. Now, notice, go back down into verse number two. Timothy was going to be responsible to take care of two tasks. Very simple. Paul was clear in what he wanted him to do. He says there in verse number two, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. To establish you and comfort you concerning the faith. Establish, I think you understand what the idea of that is. It's to strengthen, to give a basis. That is what discipleship is. To establish people. How many of us understand that as soon as someone puts faith in Jesus Christ, the devil's right there to bring questions. They go to work and say, you'll never believe it. I just trusted in Jesus Christ and I got baptized. And they get thrown a question. They're like, oh, well, I don't know. Well, see, that church is keeping something from you. And discipleship is intended to help undergird, to strengthen, to ground them. What was Timothy to do? Timothy was to ground them. Now, do we find continued discipleship? Thou shalt use continued discipleship 
in the Bible, in the New Testament? No, but it is the format that we use here at Grace Baptist Church. It is the discipleship program. Why? So we can all be together. So I can teach, and then others can teach, and, and we all work together in this. But Timothy was responsible to go and establish them, ground them in their, in their faith. Number two, he was responsible to comfort them. To exhort them is the word, and this is the same word that is used to describe the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When I go back to the, the Father, Jesus says, I'm going to send you another, some of you got it, another comforter, another comforter. A paraclete uh, is, is, is the, the original word. A, a comforter, someone that will come alongside of you and be there and be with you. And the idea is to earnestly support and encourage. You know, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit for you and me earnestly encourage you this week the only time i i hear from the holy spirit i mean this respectfully is when i've done something wrong no listen you've missed a major part of the holy spirit's ministry he's not just there to convict you of of wrongdoing he is there to comfort you and to walk with you and to give you confidence and to give you strength do you need that this week as you go into your workplace do you need that as you deal with the the situations ahead of you yes we all do but Timothy was going to go up there, and he was responsible to earnestly support and encourage them. How was he going to do that? It was a ministry of the Holy Spirit. He was going to go there as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and do what the Holy Spirit, work alongside of the Holy Spirit in their lives, be a, the human ambassador, the human mouthpiece to, to speak and encourage them and help them along. So I, I have a wonder tonight. Are we like Timothy who could receive such a delegation, uh, uh, such a solemn task to care for the needs of other people, to, to, to go to somebody and, and, and to know, you know what, now's a really great time to say, let's pray. Uh, uh, now's a really great time to get into the word, and this verse is going to help you stay strong in your faith. Do you understand? We need, to, we need to be like a Timothy that is ready, is ready and, and ready to, uh, uh, to be delegated to and to be uh, helping encourage others in their faith. Timothy was both available, he was able, and he had a good attitude. Let's be like that. You agree? Let's be like that. And I know that's your heart. Paul was concerned about their faith. Why? Why? Well, you read down there in verse number 3 that no man should be moved by these, what? Afflictions. Afflictions. Oh, there's old Satan just piling it on. An email from the boss. Extra hours that you weren't expecting. A toilet leak. I don't mean to trivialize these things, but we have, aff we have different afflictions that seem to like be like gnats or flies, you know, just buzzing around, but... The afflictions they were facing were, were beyond this. I have no doubt they had some impersonal afflictions, but they were persecutions. I think you're beginning to sense the, the culture turning against you, against us, and sensing the, the fires of affliction that are coming. Some of you face it where your Christianity is opposed, you don't say that. You don't speak that way here. You don't pray in Jesus' name. You don't hand out a tract. And we're beginning to feel that from our, from our culture. 
You realize this week, this week, our, the Biden administration has enacted a law that most people are not talking about, that if schools don't go along with the whole transgender movement, they'll pull their lunch money. One school out in California got their lunch money pulled, and they're going to court over it. Do you know what that is? That is using little children as as a as the yes as the the bait on this as as the ones who are going to get punished. Now, I'm telling you, you watch what we're talking about in growth group hour. Is very very key to us standing in this day. This is going to be the point of persecution. This is going to be your point of affliction, whether you go along with it or not. Now's the time to steal your faith. Now's the time to have a Timothy in your life saying, hey, stand on the truth. We don't budge on this truth. We show the truth and we speak the truth in love. We are, we are operating by, by grace and truth. And the tension between that, as we said this morning, is that love, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, we love you, but we see you God's way. And so I want us just to realize that there was challenges against them. And it says here in verse number three, these afflictions, these, uh, this distress that had come upon them, their afflictions were, were real. And Paul says, I don't want you to be moved. I don't want you to be budged. This word moved is, is kind of an interesting word. I think you'll enjoy it. It's the idea of cringing. Cringing. Have you ever cringed at something before? Ooh, that's, that's not okay. Now, if you're watching the news these days, there's plenty of opportunities to cringe, right? And you know, sometimes Satan doesn't even have to come into the church and cause the people to cringe. They're cringing all week long in front of their TV. And Satan loves to play this mind game of, hey, you're the odd one out. You just step back. You're the unpopular one. You just step back. Your faith has no place in the public square. We've heard that. Your, your faith has no place. Don't bring Jesus into the public, public square. And he says, I don't want you to cringe at the affliction. I don't want you to step back under the pressure. I don't want you to think in your mind, you know, it's just not worth it to stand for Jesus Christ. And there's so many people, the, the whole of Thessalonica is going one way and I'm going the other way. It's just not worth it and to cringe and to step back. No, we don't do that. Paul says, I am burdened that you don't cringe in the moment of affliction. And Satan will overwhelm us with affliction in order to discourage us. He will. Now be careful. I don't know that we are fully, that we fully appreciate, perhaps the wrong word, the spiritual battle that we're in, or realize, or recognize, verbalize it. Friends, when all of, you get into a, a day, take a Saturday, or take a day that you're trying to, to serve the Lord, or you've just made a decision, and all the things begin to fall off in your life. The wheels fall off the bus. Where does this come from? look for Satan under every rock. But friends, there's a spiritual battle that is constantly pouring on affliction to overwhelm you and say, I just give up. Cringe, step back, let it go. It's easier when I didn't put myself out in the fray. Shad Conley often talks about when, 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 when there's adversity, he goes, I know I'm over the target. 
I know I'm over the target. I'm doing the right thing when I'm being opposed. And that's a reality in our lives. How important it is not to cringe and step back. He says, I don't want you to step back in the afflictions. Afflictions often do move us as believers. Unfortunately, they often move us and, and cause us to wonder, are we doing the right thing? But Timothy was going there to encourage them and to establish them in their faith. Timothy was going there to help the church. You know why it's so important for us to assemble? Not to fulfill a religious duty. So that you don't cringe in the face of pressure. You need each other. We, I need you. You need me. Vice versa, and it could be said all across the auditorium. You could turn at the person next to you and point at them and say, I need you. You know, that's reality. We need each other. It will be the fires of affliction that causes us to realize that all the more. Say, oh, pastor, you know, you know, you talk about this affliction thing and this persecution thing. I don't see it coming, Titus, pastor, as you. It will come like a storm. Friends, other countries have seen it. We've been the ones that have been without it for so long. We've been in the bubble in the world. And I don't, I don't welcome it at all, but I, I do want us to be aware that it's coming. And Timothy went up there and said, hey, Paul's concerned that you don't cringe. When they say, you didn't show up at the, at the, the pagan temple this week, I am not buying anything from you. You're on our boycott list. Spread the word across town. I don't like the fact that you've taken away customers because you guys stopped um, buying the idols from here. Don't cringe. Don't cringe. Well, what if it means loss of income? Don't cringe in the face of adversity. Do you realize we're going to face that? We move further and further towards the tribulation and the mark of the beast, which will be, which will be in, in the tribulation, which will be restricting people from buying and selling. Do you think that the world's going to have tremors of that ahead of the tribulation? Yeah. What is it? We already see it in our in our day. You supported that that cause. We're getting rid of you can't bank here anymore. You know, there are there are many Christian organizations and conservative organizations. You won't hear this on the news, but that have been canceled at their bank. Call up. You got to get your money out before Monday. It is a real thing that's happening in our country right now. Do you think that churches won't face that? Do you think that Christians won't face that? Do you think that pastors won't face that? Well, you just haven't gone along with the flow. Your money is not welcome here. And friends, I'm telling you, what Timothy is saying to them is you cannot cringe. Paul is saying through Timothy, I should say, you don't crouch down. You stay bold in the midst of this. Now, we should expect persecution. I, I said that this morning. It's not just given to us to, to believe on his name, but also to suffer for his sake. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 13, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Don't marvel. Don't, don't be like, wow, this is just a, this is such a shock. They hated him. They're going to hate you and me. Now, we shouldn't go out and try to get them to hate us. There are Christians that try that. I'm telling you, it, it saddens my heart 
to see Christians in the name of Christ to stand at a at at, at outside of maybe a, a a pride march and say God hates you hold up billboards like that it makes that that makes me cringe that is wrong it's not true but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us God doesn't leave us in our sin his love came to rescue it uh, rescue us from it and I'm thankful for that he doesn't say oh I love you it's all okay no he comes to rescue us but he does love us praise his name and so we we see that there is there is a need for us to be aware that the world will hate us. It will be against us. So how are you handling the looming affliction or the affliction that you're already facing for being a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ? How are you handling the ridicule or the snide remark from your family? Are you cringing? Are you stepping back? Are you muting yourself? Are you self-censoring in this world? How are you handling the afflictions that you're already facing for being a follower of Jesus Christ? Paul's goal was, Timothy, go up there because I'm concerned that they'll kill me. I don't want them to kill me. I don't want them to crouch down. But notice Paul has a greater concern in verse number five. He's concerned about what's behind this, and that's their adversary. They needed to be aware that they do have an adversary. Did you see that? In verse number five, the latter part, lest by some means the tempter, the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. The tempter is simply Satan and his temptation is to to get you to be sidetracked, to discourage you, to to put a test on you in in order to see if you're really real. And Satan did that with Job, didn't he? (laughs) God. God, if you take all of his blessings, you've hedged them in. You've put it all around him. You've, bu- you've blessed him in such a wonderful way. He has a wall of blessings around him. You take that, and he will curse you to your face. That's what Satan said to God. Do you think Satan's not interested in seeing if your faith is real? Is your faith well-grounded? We should be aware that when we start following after the Lord, Satan is going to bring tests and he is going to tempt and stir up and cause confusion and and, and bring questions and bring difficulties and affliction to see whether it's really real. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter, Simon? Simon, you listening, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. That's a pretty good mental image, isn't it? Sometimes when you sift wheat, you shake it. Your purpose is to is to get the chaff to stay on top and the kernels fall fall through. Sifting it, shaking it. And who's gonna face that that night around the fire outside of Pilate's judgment hall? How did the sifting happen? You sound like a Galilean. Like, like you're with that guy, aren't you? No, not me. 
there he is, limping, stepping back from the pressure, not saying, you know what, I am. He denies it, second time, comes, oh no, I am not with him. Third time, you remember he's a Christian. Because it has so jarred him, it has so moved him, it has so caused his spirit to crouch down, he was he reverted to his old self to use words that he wasn't using around Christ to say, I am not with him and I'm going to prove it with my own language. The Bible says that there was a glance that was exchanged between him and Jesus and then he went out and wept bitterly. The reality is the adversary is going to sift us. Do you know COVID was a sifting? I know believers that have never been the same since. It did something. I'm thankful for the, the, the believers that came back together and the believers that have been added to our, to our number. But there was a sifting that happened. Well, they didn't wear masks, or they did wear masks, or they went along with this, or they opened up too soon, or they, they didn't sit six feet apart, or what, whatever. And there was just this, this wonderful sifting that Satan brought into the church house. Vaccine or no vaccine, and back and forth, all the shaking up. Sifting. There was a great sifting that happened across the world in, in churches. I hardly know a pastor that did not go through that time where there was either there was either great division in the church or it caused people within the church to, to go their own ways. A sifting. And so he says, listen, Simon, you're going to be sifted. You need to be aware of this. And Paul's telling them, listen, I don't want you to be moved. The, the, the adversary wants to trouble you. He wants to tempt you. He wants to cause you to, to wonder, am I doing the right thing? Am, am I really, am I in some sort of, am I in some sort of weird group of people? You better know your faith is based on this. The tempter is constantly going out, and he loves, he, he's a good advertiser, he can put together movies, he can do all sorts of things. The tempter loves to go out and bring much concern to God's people. Well, boy, I go to that church, and I saw this special, and, and man, I, this, this, seems, this seems weird, and, and the sifting that happens. You better know your book. Your faith better not be in me, or Grace Baptist Church as an assembly, it better be in this book. You ought, to, you, ought to, you ought to know it, not just I have a Bible, but you ought to know the verses inside of it. I hear a lot of people that, well, I'm, I'm grateful. I carry a King James Bible. We use the King James Bible here, but some people that carry King James Bibles don't know what's inside of a King James Bible. I, I, it, it kills me sometimes. All they read is the cover. I carry King James Bible. Well, well, good, good. What's inside? Well, I'll have to get back to you on that. Where's your faith? In the cover? Now, in all seriousness, we are coming up against time. I, I get so concerned to watch people being blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And there's some things I don't bring to the pulpit here because I, 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 there's, a lot of, there's a lot of maturity that I, I see and am blessed to see in Grace Baptist Church. But friends, I'm telling you, 
even this past the past couple weeks, Satan has been doing a sifting. He's been doing a shaking of people's of mindsets. Well, is, is this is this really following the Bible? Friends, I'm just saying you got to know it. You got to know it. You got to be in it. You got to have it in your heart for for you and your family. Hey, it's not enough for me to believe it. You got to believe it for your family. A strong church is made up of strong families, and strong families are led by strong spiritual leaders, fathers. And if there's not a father in the in the family, then it's on you. Lead strong. And God give you the grace to do so. Let me just encourage you about that. We're talking about Timothy here, aren't we? He didn't have a dad that led spiritually. God can make up for what lacks in your home. God can take care of it. You just trust him. With God, nothing is impossible. So Satan is limited, though, by God's authority. God's not going to allow anything into your life, you to be tempted above that you are able. Do you believe that? How many times have we said, I don't know if I can handle this. We struggle sometimes to believe in practicality that God is not allowing something into our lives we can't handle. But it will bring us right to the end of ourselves. You've been stretched before spiritually. God will do that. He will allow that in our lives. And so Paul was concerned that their affliction by their adversary would make the work empty. What does he mean by that? Like it'd be of no use? The idea that it, it wouldn't produce fruit. I want to just bring your mind back to the parable of the sower for a moment. Do you remember as Jesus talked about the, the, the parable and the casting of seeds, there's different types of grounds. What was the seed? Help me out. The seed was the word of God, right? The soil was the hearts of men, okay? So um, he, he says there in the book of Luke, and I want to read this, Luke 8, 13, they... On the rock are they which, when they hear, they receive the word with joy. Yes. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Have you ever seen someone believe on Jesus Christ and it's great guns? And then they hit a distraction, or then they hit a trial. And they got disillusioned. I believe that's what we're talking about here. He says they've received the word of God. They've believed. But when the temptation came, when the sifting came, when the affliction came, they struggled. What does a good farmer want? He wants something to grow. What does a pastor want? He wants growth in his own life and the life of the congregation. What does Jesus want in his church? He wants growth, friends. And he gave us a parable to say some, some of our hearts, some are like stony hearts and some are good soil. And, but his ultimate goal is, is growth, growth in him and the grace and the knowledge of him. And so Paul says, listen, I, I want you to be aware there's an adversary that is lurking about. You be sober, you be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let's move on. When Timothy came back in verse number six, okay, Paul I don't know, do we call him Brother Paul, Mr. Paul, Mr. Pastor? I don't know. Paul, it was wonderful. I mean, they, they are going on. Yeah, they're afflicted on Brother Paul, but they, they're just going on. They took what you preached when we were up there, uh, and they are going forward. 
you'd be amazed at what is going on in their lives. And he says, Timotheus, verse 6, he came to us and brought us good tidings of your faith. He says, listen, their faith is undeterred. Even though they're being afflicted, they're undeterred in their faith. Though there is affliction going on, there's a good report, Paul. It is, it is good news. God is working in their lives, and they are facing affliction. They're not cringing. They are going forward in faith. They're undeterred in their faith. John says it this way, 3 John 1 and verse number 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Mm. I can't imagine how good it was to hear this report from, from Timothy. Your faith in difficult times is an encouragement to somebody. I can tell you this, your faith in difficult times is an encouragement to me. Let me give an illustration. On Saturday night, Friday night, what was it? Thursday night. Time flies when you're having fun, right? Miss Jeannie broke her arm. And uh, I got down there and I had to wait for them to get done with the procedure, x-raying and, and so on. And then I, I went back into her room. It was late. It was after hours before, before visiting and so forth. So I had to go through emergency. And so I didn't know if I'd get to see her, but I, I got back there. And, and Miss Jeannie hadn't really eaten well um, because it happened at lunchtime. And so she was brought by ambulance. And so she didn't even get to go into the restaurant where she fell at and eat. Isn't that, isn't that sad? So she's down there, and, and finally they're, they're, they're saying, hey, um, you may not be able to have water or anything. And she goes, well, you know, I'd just like to be able to eat, eat something. And, and well, let us check. And finally a nurse checked, and, and yeah, you can, have, you can have water and food after midnight, but the cafeteria is closed. So Miss Jeannie, as, as, as sweet and pitiful as, as could be, she, um, she goes, well, what do you have? And, and uh, she goes, crack, crackers and, and some wheat, and, uh, or we have a, a turkey sandwich. I said, Miss Jeannie, I'm going over to Chick-fil-A, and I'm going to sneak in some Chick-fil-A. No, you're not going to do that. And she, and she asked again, what do you have, crackers? Do you have any soup? It was just, y you can hear Miss Jeannie. And she was, she was weak. It was a long day for her. And uh, said, well, no, we just have the crackers and, and, and things. I'm going over to Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A wasn't far, and we got her some chicken noodle soup, and that was sweet. But you know, I sat down while she was eating that, and um, Miss Jeannie's talking to her nurses. And even when I first saw her, she says, God has me here for some reason. And before, like 15 minutes were up, she was encouraging a nurse to think about coming to church. And she asked her, do you have a church? She goes, no, I don't. I don't. I don't have any church. And I had some Christmas cards in my pocket and I gave it to her and she's right there. You know, that encourages me because I walked in that room and she's in pain. She broke her arm worse than she had the last time. She's in pain. And I've seen that over and over in our church family where, where people are going through affliction. Some of you in this room are going through affliction, a physical trial, and God is giving you grace to think about others and to keep a strong faith going. You know what's amazing about that? You and I both know that that's not us doing that. That is the grace of God in our lives. And you know what that was to Paul? It was a comfort. You don't know. You might be going through it and say, why in the world am I going through this? You don't know 
how your faith is encouraging someone else. You don't know that, that the encouragement or what you're doing for someone else spurring them on. Well, if they can do it, so can I. If, if God will give them grace, he'll give me grace too. What an incredible thing. And here's a new church that's encouraging the Apostle Paul. We're comforted. We're comforted, he says there in verse number 7. We're comforted by, by your faith. Notice in verse number 6 still, he says, I was also comforted not just by your undeterred faith, but your unconditional love. He uses the word charity. This word charity is a special word. And it's the agape love that we talk about often. But you realize in the Old Testament, the concept was used maybe 11 times. But in the New Testament, it was used often. It is a distinctly Christian thing. This idea of unconditional love. In, in the Greek world, in the Roman world, you, you, you returned love that was given to you. But you never gave love unconditionally. And Paul says, you there at Thessalonica, you've just come to faith, you've just learned of Jesus Christ, and now you're expressing the same kind of love he showed to us on the cross. What an evidence of, of, of faith in a person's life. Do you remember what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Okay, but that very first one, love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, how can we tell that they were really rooted into Christ? They were exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within them. That's beautiful. In the midst of affliction, they're exhibiting love. Your charity. But I want you to really catch this. Did you notice that Paul says, and ye have a good remembrance of us always? Is Paul just patting himself on the back and saying, hey, they remember us. We're good. No. This word remembrance is the idea of, of mentioning. You know what you and I mention that's important to us? We talk about it. I was talking to one of the ladies this morning. She's sharing with somebody else. She says, oh, you just got to come up to the church and be a part of the church. It's a great church. And well, Praise the Lord. When we are thankful for what God is doing here, we mention it. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? There are people you work with, and you're going you're gonna to interact with this week, that need a church sign. They need this assembly. And your mentioning it will make a difference. But this word mentioning has a, a deeper and a more special connotation. And it is to mention specifically to God. I really love this. The Apostle Paul says, you are always, I hear that you're always calling our name to God. You're always talking to God about us. You, Lord, we pray for the Apostle Paul down in Athens. We pray that you give him power there as he, he talks in that culture, as he, he spreads the gospel there. We pray that you'd provide for his needs. We, we pray that you would enable and us to, to help him and encourage him. And, and always mentioning Paul and the ministry in prayer. That's powerful. Had, had their faith settled in, had they, had they grounded in the faith, I'd say so. They're undeterred in their faith. They are showing unconditional love, and they're unceasing in their prayer. Some pretty good marks of a strong faith, wouldn't you say? Well, if that's true in our lives this week, wouldn't that be a good indication that our faith is strong? So may it be. May the Lord help us with this. And I just love the fact that, that Paul says, hey, you all are doing it. You're remembering, and thank you for remembering us in prayer, mentioning our names in prayer to God. You know, we have the opportunity to mention, mention one another's names to God. If someone's on your heart, 
God put it there for a reason. Mention him in prayer to God. You might not be the most eloquent prayer warrior. And to that I say, so what? Can you talk to God? Let's mention each other's names to God. If there's someone that looks down to you today, mention their name to God. Let them know that you mentioned their name to God. You know, Paul was encouraged because he heard that they were mentioning him in prayer. That's powerful. Now, it, get this. Paul had sent Timothy up there to check on their faith and to encourage their faith. And you know what Paul's giving him in return? An encouragement on his part. You and I, sometimes we get self-focused. Well, I wish someone would check on me. Why don't you check on somebody? And you're going to find there's going to be an encouragement that comes back to you. Well, I've been thinking about that person. Just get out your phone and text them. You don't have to on walk 250 miles. <laughs> this is 2023. You have it pretty easy, and so don't I. Lord, help us with that. Lord, help us. So I want to ask you this question as we conclude. How's your faith team? I want to ask you to consider this. I don't know if we can practically or really really effectively do this, but I'm going to give it a try. How's your faith on a scale of 1 to 5? I, if we thought of 1 as being, I'm despondent, I'm cringing under the pressure, I'm discouraged. I'm doubtful that things will get better. Just trying to define it, color it out. I'm unthankful. I don't, I, don't, I don't have much gratitude. I have to kind of be coached along on that. Just seem to be everything's negative. Blue, you know what we're talking about? Getting blue. I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I don't get, what I don't have. She doesn't reach out to me. She doesn't thank me. I get obsessed with the affliction. I see all this going on in our world around. I get obsessed with it. I feel like just isolating. I'm angry, closed off. You'd say that would be someone who's really struggling in their faith, wouldn't you? Really struggling. Now, we're honest. Every one of us have been there at some point or another, right? Every one of us. And maybe you're there tonight. And that's the last, that's a what you should expect from this congregation, if you were to share that with somebody, you should expect an arm around the shoulder and a prayer meeting. And maybe a phone call in the week to check on how things are going. I hope that you feel like you could share that. I think we should. Wouldn't you agree? Shouldn't we feel like we could share that with one another? Like, shouldn't we feel like we're among friends? Like, that wouldn't be used against us. You know, people serving in ministry could feel that way. Serving in a ministry of a church could feel that way. So if that's the case, that's something to be concerned about. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Five, I'm depending on this fear, this faith. I, I, I have come up against some pressure, and I, I sense the grace of God. I'm resting. I'm trusting in the grace of God to give me strength through that affliction. I... I Sometimes I go into the midst of that affliction and I don't know how it's going to all turn out, but I'm going in trusting that God's going to make a way. I'm like Moses at the Red Sea. 
priest, you put your feet in the water, and then it'll part. I, that's, that's the way that I, that I approach it. I'm trusting in God. I'm being helped by the grace of God. There's a positivity. There's a gratefulness. There's a looking to Jesus. There's a loving. There's a praying for others. There's an encouraging of others. I'd say that's, that's a person whose faith is, has some strength to it. And praise God, I think we can all say there's been times in our life we've been there too. The hard thing is we sometimes go like this. Wouldn't you agree? Now, I don't know exactly how to categorize the, the steps up, but I will say this. If you're at number one, if you're at number one, one of the first steps is, would be to acknowledge that you're actually there. To acknowledge that you're struggling in faith and to be willing to be open with God, first of all, and with somebody else. Do you know God's, God's strong enough to hear that you're struggling in faith? Jesus was strong enough, catch it, to get a letter from John in prison that said, are you the Messiah or do we look for another? And if John the Baptist could wonder if Jesus was really it and all his messages were really true, don't you think that we might struggle at the time or two too? Yeah. So I think it would be acknowledging, Lord, I, I, I need you. Maybe number three would be I've confessed my lack of faith to the Lord. I've, I've, I've had to do that so many times in, in discouragement. It seems to me that the thing that breaks discouragement in our, my life is when I say, God, I'm sorry. I got here because I doubted you, and I need your forgiveness. Turning to God more consistently when facing affliction. I'm, I'm sharing my burden to God in prayer and to others. Maybe number four would be, I'm, I'm excited to meet God in his word. I'm asking him to work in my situation and give me the faith. I, I'm, I'm cognizant I need him to bolster my faith. I'm, I'm gathering with the saints of God, and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm opening my heart to the word and allowing it to feed my faith. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So friends, how's your faith doing? Where are you? Jesus pray for your faith? You know what he told Peter? After he told him Simon has desired to sift you like wheat, he goes, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you and when thou art converted, well he says this, I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren. You know what he says? You know, I have a plan for you after the lapse of faith. I have a plan beyond the doubt for you. And God has that same plan for you, and he had that plan for the Thessalonian believers. And I'm thankful that there was a, an apostle Paul that was concerned about them, and God put all this in Scripture for us to be encouraged by. Maybe you're low in your faith tonight. Maybe you're struggling. No, you, you're, you're saved. You know that. You're on your way to heaven. Boy, you're, you're struggling a bit. And God wants your faith to be encouraged. We need each other. Paul, Paul shows that to us as he sends Timothy up there and says, I want you to check on them. I want you to bring me back a report. And I love how that his concern for them and their encouragement resulted in Paul's encouragement as well. So let's, let's encourage one another in this way. Let's stand to our feet. And here's what I'm going to do for our time before we leave. Thank you for your attention this evening. I'd like to encourage you to find a place to pray. And I'd also like to encourage us
to take time to pray with one another. And so would you bow your heads with me tonight? And this is how the invitation goes. This The Lord put this on my heart, I believe. And I want to just ask, is there anyone here that says, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm down closer to one. I, I'm struggling right now. And I could use some prayer. I could use some prayer. Would you, no one's looking around. That, that, this isn't a point. And I promise you, you wouldn't pick or hurt in any way. But you say, I, I am faltering a bit in my faith. I'm not strong in faith like like they they were. I'm faltering a little bit. Would you just raise your hand and, and let me know that tonight? I, I'm faltering a bit. Okay. Amen. Anyone else? I'm faltering a little bit. You strong people. Strong people will. We saw that in the life of, of John. So I'm thankful. If, if by what you're saying, many of you tonight say, Lord's given me strength and faith, praise his name, praise his name. And maybe you could find a place to pray. Say, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Keep me strong. But I'd like to invite you right now, if you need someone to pray with you, just, just come on up and uh, let's, let's take time to just have a, a word of prayer tonight at the altar. And uh, I, am, I am more than certain someone will come alongside of you and pray and I'll help direct that. You just want to pray with somebody and say, Lord, I want I want to maintain that strong faith. I do not want to cringe in the face of adversity. Let's find our way to the altar and do that even tonight.
this work of scripture tonight. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, endurance. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, mature, entire, wanting nothing. And if ye lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not who have been taken to you. And it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. God does allow us to go through difficult times. He does allow our faith to be tried. I'm thankful that he has others in our lives to help, help encourage that faith as he's done in our hearts as well. So, let's be mindful of one another and let the Lord use us to help each other. And uh, praise the Lord for his word. Amen, church. It's good to be together tonight and thank you for just spending this time. Sometimes we come to these moments and I don't really know how to close the service. I, I just stay with you. Um, but it's, it's, it's time to go and thank the Lord for what he's done in our hearts tonight. So why don't we stand? Father, Thank you for loving us so much, for presencing yourself among us this evening and just nourishing our faith. And I pray that the camaraderie and the encouragement that was given tonight, um, Lord, I pray that every person would be able to just go home full of it, full of that encouragement. Lord, help us this week. May we honor you. May we not cringe. May we be full of faith, like a Stephen. May we be bold for the sake of, of yourself and for the sake of the lost around us and for the benefit of our own families. Lord, I need your strength, and my friends do here as well, and so we ask for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in the strength of the Lord, friends. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.